This episode is brought to you by bunnieslippers.com. Go to bunnieslippers.com in the show notes and learn how you can buy an awesome, awesome pair of those Highland cow slippers. They're so shaggy and they keep my feet warm in this breezy studio. You know what else is cool? Founditemclothing.com. Cool, cool, cool retro-looking t-shirts based off of designs found in your favorite cult films. I still always wear my Bad News Bears Chico uh, Bail Bonds t-shirt. The orange sleeves are super cool. Kind of a yellowy orange. They're cool. I like them a lot. I got a couple of them, and I wear them all the time when I'm doing stuff. They used to be my formal shirts, and uh, now they've turned into my woodworking shirts. But I wear them all the time still. And so can you at founditemclothing.com. Bunnieslippers.com, too, if you're always going for that uh, real genius cool guy uh, look that uh, What's-His-Face did. Real genius. That's a, that's a fun movie. I can't, I can't remember if it holds up still or if it has problematic scenes. All right. Anyway, uh, something that probably may have some problematic parts in it. Ambrose Spears's Devil's Dictionary. It was written in the late 19th century, so... I don't think he was a creep in some ways, but there's other ways that, I don't know, time just kind of moves on, and that's kind of just like... So, I'm not an Ambrose Spears apologist. If he says something that upsets you, you know what? It probably upsets me, too. Uh, so, yeah, hey, here's some Ambrose Spears Devil's Dictionary. Him poking fun at everything. I don't know who I'm going to have as a guest on this month, but I probably will try and uh, try and dig some people up for this one. So, hopefully, but I don't know. Halfway through the month, towards the end of the month, there'll be some cool special episodes. And I don't know who else I can have. I mean, I can always bug Ken Hyde about it, and I can always, uh, I don't know, beg David Heath to help me out again, and I don't know, maybe uh, put a bunch of stuff up on Twitter and get the Ambrose Beers group uh, going on. Check out the Ambrose Beers group on Facebook. There's several Ambrose Beers groups. I recommend them all. <laughs> and what else? Oh, Don Swaim's uh, Death of Ambrose Beers. Really good book. Check that out. I'm always going to doubt that one. That is a fun one. Uh, I'm trying to remember if anyone's done any uh, Ambrose Spears RPGs that I know personally, uh, or any uh, troubadours who've uh, sung any songs. I don't think of any. Write me. Let me know. Go to pgttcm.com. Go to the comment section. Let us know what's going on. And, uh, hey, why don't you check us out on Facebook and on Instagram. We're Black Clock Audio Tales. And, hey, wherever you're listening to us, give us a a thumbs up, subscribe, uh, let other people know that you like us, and enjoy the show. The Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Pierce. The letter I. I is the first letter of the alphabet, the first word of the language, the first thought of the mind, the first object of affection. In grammar, it is a pronoun of the first person and singular number. Its plural is said to be we, but how there can be more than one myself is doubtless clearer to the grammarians than it is to the author of this incomparable dictionary. Conception of two myselfs is difficult, but fine. 
The frank yet graceful use of I distinguishes a good writer from a bad. The latter carries it with the manner of a thief trying to cloak his loot. Icker, a noun, a fluid that serves the gods and goddesses in place of blood. Fair Venus, speared by Diomed, restrained the raging chief and said, Behold, rash mortal, whom you've bled, your souls stained white with Ickershed. By Mary Doak. Iconoclast. Noun. A breaker of idols. The worshippers whereof are imperfectly gratified by the performance, and most strenuously protest that he unbuildeth, but doth not rectify, that he pulleth down, but pileth not up. For the poor things would have other idols in place of those he thwacketh upon the mallard, and dispelleth. But the iconoclast saith, Ye shall have none at all, for ye need them not, and if the rebuilder fooleth round hereabout, behold, I will depress the head of him, and sit thereon till he squawk it. Close quote. Idiot, a noun, a member of a large and powerful tribe, whose influence in human affairs has always been dominant and controlling. The idiot's activity is not confined to any special field of thought or action, but pervades and regulates the whole. He has the last word in everything. His decision is unappealable. He sets the fashions and opinion of taste, dictates the limitations of speech, and circumscribes conduct with a deadline. Idleness, noun. A model farm where the devil experiments with seeds of new sins and promotes the growth of staple vices. Ignoramus, noun. A person unacquainted with certain kinds of knowledge familiar to yourself, and having certain other kinds that you know nothing about. Dumble was a ignoramus. Mumble was for learning famous. Mumble said one day to Dumble, Ignorance should be more humble. Not a spark have you of knowledge that was got in any college. Dumble said to Mumble, Truly yourself satisfied unduly. Of things in college I'm denied a knowledge, you of all beside. By Borelli. Illuminati, a noun. A sect of Spanish heretics of the latter part of the sixteenth century, so called because they were lightweights. Contaciones Illuminati. Illustrious, an adjective. Suitably placed for shafts of malice, envy, and detraction. Imagination, a noun. A warehouse of facts, with poet and liar in joint ownership. Imbecility, a noun, a kind of divine inspiration, or sacred fire affecting censorious critics of this dictionary. Immigrant, a noun, an unenlightened person who thinks one country better than another. 
Immodest, an adjective, having a strong sense of one's own merit, coupled with a feeble conception of worth in others. There was once a man in Ispahan, ever and ever so long ago, and he had a head, the phrenologist said, that fitted him for a show, for his modesty's bump was so large a lump, nature, they said, had taken a freak, that its summit stood far above the wood of his hair, like a mountain peak. So modest a man in all Ispahan, over and over again they swore, so humble and meek, you would vainly seek, none ever was found before. Meanwhile the hump of that awful bump into the heavens contrived to get to so great a height that they called the white the man with the minaret. There wasn't a man in all Ispahan, prouder or louder in praise of his chump. With a tireless tongue and a brazen lung he bragged of that beautiful bump, till the shah, in a rage, sent a trusty page bearing a sack and a bowstring, too, and that gentle child explained as he smiled, A little present for you. The saddest man in all Ispahan sniffed at the gift, yet accepted the same. If I'd lived, said he, my humility had given me deathless fame. By Sucre Euphro Immoral Adjective Inexpedient Whatever in the long run, and with regard to the greater number of instances, men find to be generally inexpedient, comes to be considered wrong, wicked, immoral. If man's notions of right and wrong have any other basis than this of expediency, if they originated, or could have originated in any other way, if actions have in themselves a moral character apart from, and nowise dependent on their consequences, then all philosophy is a lie, and reason a disorder of the mind. Immortality Noun A toy which people cry for, and on their knees apply for, dispute, contend, and lie for, and if allowed, would be right proud, eternally, to die for. By G. J. Impale Verb, transitive In popular usage to pierce with any weapon which remains fixed in the wound. This, however, is inaccurate. To impale is, properly, to put to death by thrusting an upright sharp stake into the body, the victim being left in a sitting position. This was a common mode of punishment among many of the nations of antiquity, and is still high in favor in China and other parts of Asia. Down to the beginning of the fifteenth century it was widely employed in churching heretics and schismatics. Wolcraft calls it the stool of repenting and among the common people it was jocularly known as riding the one-legged horse. Ludwig Salzmann informs us that in Tibet impalement is considered the most appropriate punishment for crimes against religion, and although in China it is sometimes awarded for secular offenses, 
it is most frequently adjudged in cases of sacrilege. To the person in actual experience of impalement, it must be a matter of minor importance by what kind of civil or religious dissent he was made acquainted with its discomforts. But, doubtless, he would have a certain satisfaction, if able to contemplate himself in the character of a weathercock on the spire of the true church. Impartial and adjective, unable to perceive any promise of personal advantage from espousing either side of a controversy, or adopting either of two conflicting opinions. Impenitence, a noun, a state of mind intermediate in point of time between sin and punishment. Impiety, a noun. Your irreverence toward my deity. Imposition, a noun. The act of blessing or consecrating by the laying on of hands. A ceremony common to many ecclesiastical systems, but performed with the frankest sincerity by the sect known as thieves. Lo, by the laying on of hands, say parson, priest, and dervis, we consecrate your cash and lands to ecclesiastical service. No doubt you'll swear, till all is blue, at such an imposition. Do, by Polo Doncas. Imposter a noun, a rival aspirant to public honors. Improbability, a noun. His tale he told with a solemn face, and a tender melancholy grace. Improbable t'was, no doubt, when you came to think it out, but the fascinated crowd their deep surprise avowed, and with a single voice averred, t'was the most amazing thing they'd heard, all save one who spake never a word, but sat as mum as if deaf and dumb, serene, indifferent, and unstirred. Then all the others turned to him, and scrutinized him limb from limb, scanned him alive. But he seemed to thrive, and tranquiller grew each minute, as if there were nothing in it. What, what, cried one, are you not amazed at what our friend has told? He raised soberly then his eyes, and gazed in a natural way, and proceeded to say, as he crossed his feet on the mantel-shelf, Oh, no, not at all. I'm a liar myself. Improvidence, a noun. Provision for the needs of today from the revenues of tomorrow. Impunity, a noun. Wealth. Inadmissible, an adjective. Not competent to be considered, said of certain kinds of testimony which juries are supposed to be unfit to be entrusted with, and which judges therefore rule out, even of proceedings before themselves alone. Hearsay evidence is inadmissible because the person quoted was unsworn and is not before the court for examination. Yet most momentous actions, military, political, commercial, and of every other kind, are daily undertaken on hearsay evidence. There is no religion in the world that has any other basis than hearsay evidence. Revelation is hearsay evidence. 
that the scriptures are the word of God, we have only the testimony of men long dead, whose identity is not clearly established, and who are not known to have been sworn in any sense. Under the rules of evidence, as they now exist in this country, no single assertion in the Bible has in its support any evidence admissible in a court of law. It cannot be proved that the battle of Blenheim ever was fought, that there was such a person as Julius Caesar, such an empire as Assyria. But as records of courts of justice are admissible, it can easily be proved that powerful and malevolent magicians once existed and were a scourge to mankind. The evidence, including confession, upon which certain women were convicted of witchcraft and executed, was without a flaw. It is still unimpeachable. The judges' decisions, based on it, were sound in logic and in law. Nothing in any existing court was ever more thoroughly proved than the charges of witchcraft and sorcery for which so many suffered death. If there were no witches, human testimony and human reason are alike destitute of value. Inauspiciously, an adverb. In an unpromising manner, the auspices being unfavorable. Among the Romans it was customary, before undertaking any important action or enterprise, to obtain from the augurs, or state prophets, some hint of its probable outcome, and one of their favorite and most trustworthy modes of divination consisted in observing the flight of birds, the omens thence derived being called auspices. Newspaper reporters and certain miscreant lexicographers have decided that the word, always in the plural, shall mean patronage or management, as the festivities were under the auspices of the ancient and honorable order of body-snatchers, or the hilarities were auspicated by the knights of hunger. A Roman slave appeared one day before the augur. Tell me, pray, if, here the augur, smiling, made a checking gesture, and displayed his open palm, which plainly itched, for visibly its surface twitched. Ah, denarius, the Latin nickel, successfully allayed the tickle, and then the slave proceeded. Please inform me whether fate decrees success or failure in what I, to-night, if it be dark, shall try. Its nature? Never mind. I think tis writ on this, and with a wink, which darkened half the earth, he drew another denarius to view, its shining face attentive scanned, then slipped it into the good man's hand, who, with great gravity, said, Wait while I retire to question fate. That holy person then withdrew his scarred clay, and passing through the temple's rearward gate, cried, Shoo! Waving his robe of office. Straight each sacred peacock and its mate, maintained for Juno's favor, fled with clamor from the trees o'erhead, where they were perching for the night. The temple's roof received their flight, for thither they would always go, when danger threatened them from below. 
Back to the slave the augur went. My son, for casting the event by flight of birds, I must confess the auspices deny success. That slave retired, a sadder man, abandoning his secret plan, which was, as well the craft seer had from the first divined, to clear the wall and fraudulently seize on Juno's poultry in the trees. By G. J. Income, a noun. The natural and rational gauge and measure of respectability, the commonly accepted standards being artificial, arbitrary, and fallacious. For, as Sir Sycophas Chrysolater in the play has justly remarked, quote, the true use and function of property, in whatsoever it consisteth, coins or land, or houses or merchant stuff, or anything which may be named as holden of right to one's own subservience, as also of honors, titles, preferments, and place, and all favor and acquaintance of persons of quality or ableness, are but to get money. Hence it followeth that all things are truly to be rated as of worth in measure to their serviceableness to that end, and their possessors should take rank in agreement thereto. Neither the lord of an unproducing manor, howsoever broad and ancient, nor he who bears an unremunerate dignity, nor yet the pauper favorite of a king, being esteemed of level excellency with him whose riches are of daily accretion, and hardly should they whose wealth is barren claim and rightly take more honor than the poor and unworthy. Close quote. Incompatibility, a noun. In matrimony, a similarity of tastes, particularly the taste for domination. Incompatibility may, however, consist of a meek-eyed matron living just around the corner. It has even been known to wear a mustache. Incompossible, an adjective. Unable to exist if something else exists. Two things are incompossible when the world of being has scope enough for one of them, but not enough for both, as Walt Whitman's poetry and God's mercy to man. Incompossibility, it will be seen, is only incompatibility let loose. Instead of such low language as, Go heal yourself, I mean to kill you on sight, the words, Sir, we are incompossible, would convey an equally significant intimation, and in stately courtesy are altogether superior. Incubus one of a race of highly improper demons who, though probably not wholly extinct, may be said to have seen their best nights. For a complete account of incubi and succubi, including incubae and succubae, see the Liber Demonorium of Protasis in Paris, 1938, published, which contains much curious information that would be out of place in a dictionary intended as a textbook for the public schools. Victor Hugo relates that in the Channel Islands Satan himself, tempted more than elsewhere by the beauty of the women, doubtless, sometimes plays at incubus, 
greatly to the inconvenience and alarm of the good dames who wished to be loyal to their marriage vows, generally speaking. A certain lady applied to the parish priest to learn how they might, in the dark, distinguish the hardy intruder from their husbands. The holy man said they must feel his brown for horns. But Hugo is ungallant enough to hint a doubt of the efficacy of the test. Incumbent, a noun. A person of the liveliest interest to the outcumbents. Indecision, a noun. The chief element of success. Quote, for whereas, saith Sir Thomas Brubolt, there is but one way to do nothing, and diverse ways to do something, whereof, to a surety, only one is the right way, it followeth that he who from indecision standeth still hath not so many chances of going astray as he who pusheth forwards. Close quote. A most clear and satisfactory exposition of the matter. Quote, Your prompt decision to attack, said General Grant, on a certain occasion to General Gordon Granger, was admirable. You had but five minutes to make up your mind in. Yes, sir, answered the victorious subordinate. It is a great thing to know exactly what to do in an emergency. When in doubt whether to attack or retreat, I never hesitate a moment. I toss up a copper. Do you mean to say that's what you did this time? Yes, General, but for heaven's sake, don't reprimand me. I disobeyed the coin. Indifferent, an adjective. Imperfectly sensible to distinctions among things. You tiresome man, cried Indolencio's wife. You've grown indifferent to all in life. Indifferent, he drawled, with a slow smile. I would be, dear, but it's not worth while. Apulius M. Gokul Indigestion, a noun, a disease which the patient and his friends frequently mistake for deep religious conviction and concern for the salvation of mankind. As the simple red man of the western wild put it, with, it must be confessed, a certain force. Plenty well, no prey. Big bellyache, heap God. Indiscretion, a noun. The guilt of woman. An expedient, an adjective. Not calculated to advance one's interests. Infancy, a noun. The period of our lives when, according to Wordsworth, Heaven lies about us. The world begins lying about us pretty soon afterward. Inferie, a noun. Latin. Among the Greeks and Romans, sacrifices for propitiation of the daimanes, or souls of the dead heroes. For the pious ancients could not invent enough gods to satisfy their spiritual needs and had to have a number of makeshift deities. Or, as a sailor might say, jury gods, which they made out of the most unpromising materials. It was while sacrificing a bullock to the spirit of Agamemnon that Laides, a 
a priest of Aulis, was favored with an audience of that illustrious warrior's shade, who prophetically recounted to him the birth of Christ and the triumph of Christianity, giving him also a rapid but tolerably complete review of events down to the reign of St. Louis. The narrative ended abruptly at the point, owing to the inconsiderate crowing of a cock, which compelled the ghosted king of men to scamper back to Hades. There is a fine medieval flavor to this story, and as it has not been traced back further than Père Bretel, a pious but obscure writer at the court of St. Louis, we shall probably not err on the side of presumption in considering it apocryphal, though Monsignor Capel's judgment of the matter might be different, and to that I bow. Wow. Infidel. Noun. In New York, one who does not believe in the Christian religion. In Constantinople, one who does. See G-I-A-O-U-R. A kind of scoundrel, imperfectly reverent of and niggardly contributory to, divines, ecclesiastics, popes, parsons, canons, monks, mullahs, voodoos, presbyters, Hierophants, prelates, obeyamen, abbeys, nuns, missionaries, exhorters, deacons, friars, hajis, high priests, muzins, brahmins, medicine men, confessors, eminences, elders, primates, prebenderies, pilgrims, prophets, imams, beneficiaries, clerks, vicars, choral, archbishops, bishops, abbots, priors, preachers, padres, abbotesses, calors, palmers, curates, patriarchs, bonzes, santons, beadsmen, canonesses, residentiaries, deaconesses, deans, subdeans, rural deans, abdols, charm sellers, archdeacons, hierarchs, class leaders, incumbents, capitulars, sheiks, talibans, postulants, scribes, gurus, presentors, beetles, fakers, sextons, reverences, revivalists, Cenobites, perpetual curates, chaplains, mujos, readers, novices, vicars, pastors, rabbis, ulamas, lamas, sacristans, vergers, dervishes, lectors, church wardens, cardinals, prioresses, suffragans, acolytes, rectors, cures, sophies, muftis, and pum-pums. Influence, a noun. A visionary quo given in exchange for substantial quid in politics. In Phalipsarian, a noun, one who ventures to believe that Adam need not have sinned unless he had a mind to, in opposition to the supra-lapsarians who hold that luckless person's fall was decreed from the beginning. Infralapsarians are sometimes called sublapsarians without material effect upon the importance and lucidity of their views about Adam. Two theologues once, as they wended their way to chapel, engaged in colloquial fray, an earnest logomacy, bitter as gall, concerning poor Adam and what made him fall. "'Twas predestination cried one for the lord decreed he should fall of his own accord not so twas free will the other maintained 
which led him to choose what the Lord had ordained. So fierce and so fiery grew the debate that nothing but bloodshed their dungeon could sate. So off flew their cassocks and caps to the ground, and moved by the spirit their hands went round, ere either had proved his theology right by winning, or even beginning, the fight, a gray old professor of Latin came by, a staff in his hand, and a scowl in his eye, and, learning the cause of their quarrel, for still as they clumsily sparred, they disputed with skill of foreordination, freedom of will, cried, Siraz, this reasonless warfare compose, Atwixt ye's no difference worthy of blows. The sex ye belong to, I'm ready to swear, ye wrongly interpret the names that they bear. You, infralapsarian, son of a clown, should only contend that Adam slipped down, while you, you supralapsarian pup, should nothing aver but that Adam slipped up. It's all the same whether up or down you slip on a peel of banana brown. Even Adam analyzed not his blunder, but thought he had slipped on a peal of thunder. By G. J. Ingrate, a noun, one who receives a benefit from another, or is otherwise an object of charity. All men are ingrates, sneered the cynic. Nay, the good philanthropist replied. I did great service to a man one day, who never since has cursed me to repay, nor vilified. Ho! cried the cynic, lead me to him straight, with veneration I am overcome, and fain would have his blessing. Sad your fate, he cannot bless you, for I grieve to state this man is dumb. Ariel Selp Injury Noun an offence next in degree of enormity to a slight. Injustice. Noun. A burden which all of those that we load upon others, and carry ourselves, is lightest in the hands, and heaviest upon the back. Ink. Noun. A villainous compound of tanagalate of iron, gum arabic, and water chiefly used to facilitate the infection of idiocy and promote intellectual crime. The properties of ink are peculiar and contradictory. It may be used to make reputations and unmake them, to blacken them and to make them white, but it is most generally and acceptably employed as a mortar to bind together the stones of an edifice of fame and as a whitewash to conceal afterward the rascal quality of the material. There are men called journalists who have established ink baths, which some persons pay money to get into, others to get out of. Not infrequently it occurs that a person who has paid to get in pays twice as much to get out. Innate, an adjective, natural, inherent, as innate ideas, that is to say, ideas that we are born with, having had them previously imparted to us. The doctrine of innate ideas is one of the most admirable faiths of philosophy, being itself an innate idea, and therefore inaccessible to disproof. 
though Locke foolishly supposed himself to have given it a black eye. Among innate ideas may be mentioned the belief in one's ability to conduct a newspaper, in the greatness of one's country, in the superiority of one's civilization, in the importance of one's personal affairs, and in the interesting nature of one's own diseases. Innards, a noun. The stomach, heart, soul, and other bowels. Many eminent investigators do not class the soul as an innard, but that acute observer and renowned authority, Dr. Gonzales, is persuaded that the mysterious organ known as the spleen is nothing less than our important part. To the contrary, Professor Garrett P. Service holds that Mansoul is that prolongation of his spinal marrow which forms the pith of his no-tail, and for demonstration of his faith points confidently to the fact that no-tailed animals have no souls. Concerning these two theories, it is best to suspend judgment by believing both. Inscription, a noun. Something written on another thing. Inscriptions are of many kinds, but mostly memorial, intended to commemorate the fame of some illustrious person, and hand down to distant ages the record of his services and virtues. To this class of inscriptions belongs the name of John Smith, penciled on the Washington Monument. Following are examples of memorial inscriptions on tombstones. See Epitaph. In the sky my soul is found, and my body in the ground. By and by my body'll rise to the spirit in the skies, soaring up to heaven's gate. 1878. Sacred to the memory of Jeremiah Tree. Cut down May 9th, 1862, aged 27 years, 4 months, and 12 days. Indigenous. Affliction sore long time she bore. Physicians was in vain. Till death released the dear deceased, and left her a remain gone to join Ananias in the regions of bliss. The clay that rests below this stone, as Silas Wood was widely known, now lying here, I ask what good it was to let me be, S. Wood. O oh, man, let not ambition trouble you, is the advice of Silas W. Richard Heyman of Heaven fell to earth January twentieth, 1807, and had the dust brushed off him October third, 1874. Insectivora, a noun. See, cries the chorus of admiring preachers, how providence provides for all his creatures. His care, the gnat said, even the insect follows. For us he has provided wrens and swallows by Simpen Rayleigh Insurance a noun an ingenious modern game of chance in which the player is permitted to enjoy the comfortable conviction that he is beating the man who keeps the table 
insurance agent. My dear sir, that is a fine house. Pray let me insure it. House owner, oh, with pleasure. Please make the annual premiums so low that by the time when, according to the tables of your actuary, it will probably be destroyed by fire, and I will have paid you considerably less than the face of the policy. Insurance agent. Oh, dear, no. Uh, uh, we could not afford to do that. We must fix the premium so that you will have paid more. House owner. How then can I afford that? Insurance agent. Why, your house may burn down at any time. There was Smith's house, for example, which... House owner, spare me. There were Brown's house, on the contrary, and Jones' house, and Robinson's house, which... Insurance agent, spare me. House owner, let us understand each other. You want me to pay you money on the supposition that something will occur previously to the time set by yourself for its occurrence. In other words, you expect me to bet that my house will not last so long as you say that it will probably last. Insurance agent, but if your house burns without insurance, it will be a total loss. House owner, beg your pardon. By your own actuary's tables, I shall probably have saved, when it burns, all the premiums I would otherwise have paid you, amounting to more than the face of the policy they would have bought. But suppose it to burn uninsured before the time upon which your figures are based. If I could not afford that, how could you if it were insured? Insurance agent. Oh, we should make ourselves whole from our luckier ventures with other clients. Virtually, they pay your loss. House owner. And virtually, then, don't I help to pay their losses? Are not their houses as likely as mine to burn before they have paid you as much as you must pay them? The case stands this way. You expect to make more money from your clients than you pay to them, do you not? Insurance agent. Certainly, if we if we did not, house owner, I would not trust you with my money. Very well. If it is certain, with reference to the whole body of your clients, that they lose money on you, it is probable, with reference to any of them, that he will. It is these individual probabilities that make the aggregate certainty. Insurance agent, I will not deny it, but look at the figures in this pamphlet. House owner, heaven forbid. Insurance agent, you spoke of saving the premiums which you would otherwise pay to me. Will you not be more likely to squander them? We offer you an incentive to thrift. House owner, the willingness of A to take care of B's money is not peculiar to insurance, but as a charitable institution, you command esteem. Deign to accept its expression from a deserving object. Insurrection. Noun. An unsuccessful revolution. Disaffection's failure to substitute misrule for bad government. Intention. A noun. The mind's sense of the prevalence of one set of influences over another set. An effect whose cause is the imminence, immediate or remote, of the performance of an involuntary act. Interpreter. Noun. 
one who enables two persons of different languages to understand each other by repeating to each what it would have been to the interpreter's advantage for the other to have said. Interregnum, noun. The period during which a monarchical country is governed by a warm spot on the cushion of the throne. The experiment of letting the spot grow cold has commonly been attended by most unhappy results, from the zeal of many worthy persons to make it warm again. Intimacy, a noun. A relation into which fools are providentially drawn for their mutual destruction. Two sidelets powders, one in blue and one in white, together drew, and having each a pleasant sense of t'other's powder's excellence, forsook their jackets for the snug enjoyment of a common mug. So close their intimacy grew, one paper would have held the two. To confidences straight they fell, less anxious each to hear than tell, than each remorsefully confessed to all the virtues he possessed, acknowledgment he had them in so high degree, it was a sin. The more they said, the more they felt, their spirits with emotion melt, till tears of sentiment expressed their feelings, then they effervesced. All nature executes her feats of wrath on friends and sympathetes. The good old rule, who don't apply, that you are you and I am I. Introduction. Noun. A social ceremony invented by the devil for the gratification of his servants and the plaguing of his enemies. The introduction attains its most malevolent development in this century, being indeed closely related to our political system. Every American being the equal of every other American, it follows that everybody has the right to know everybody else, which implies the right to introduce without request or permission. The Declaration of Independence should have read thus. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, and the right to make that of another miserable by thrusting upon him an incalculable quantity of acquaintances. Liberty, particularly the liberty to introduce persons to one another without first ascertaining if they are not already acquainted as enemies, and the pursuit of another's happiness with a running pack of strangers. Inventor, noun, a person who makes an ingenious arrangements of wheels, levers, and springs, and believes it civilization. Irreligion, noun, the principal one of the great faiths of the world. Itch, a noun, 
the patriotism of a Scotsman. End of Letter I in the Devil's Dictionary by Ambrose Bierce Recorded by Denny Sayers Spring of 2006 in Modesto, California